If you're in the commercial space, make sure you focus on your technology. Welcome to the Field Famous podcast brought to you by Field Routes, a show that shines a light on the field service industry and the dedicated professionals that grind every day on their journey to success. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Pisano. And before we begin, I want to remind you that the best place to get new episodes of the Field Famous podcast is on your favorite pod player, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast. If you prefer to watch these interviews in video format, you can do that on YouTube so you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, all that information you can find at BeFieldFamous.com. Make sure you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you're enjoying the show. Our guest for today's episode is Keith Robinson, board-certified entomologist and vice president of pest control services at Fine Tune US. Keith, are you ready to be field famous? I guess I'm ready. You're ready. I'm here. You're here and you're ready. So, Let's start with an introduction. Uh, tell the audience, you know, who you are and 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 what you do in the, in the space. And then, like we spoke a little bit before, let's we're going to go back, and I want to find out uh, sort of how you, how you got on your journey to being in a room with pictures of bugs and a hornet uh, nest there in the back corner of the room. I live in Dallas, and I work for a company called Fine Tune. Fine Tune's an expense management solution. Work with large firms, help manage a few specific what we consider to be nuisance categories for them. Nuisance categories. So, what's a nuisance? What, what what is that? Is a nuisance a type, or is it like the word we think like it's an it's a category that's annoying? To to what, what is the nuisance category? So, think about this. It's a small spend that typically requires a lot of time and effort for that specific client to manage it. I see. So, for them, it's a nuisance. So, it's a pain. It's a nuisance. I got it. Okay. Um, and pest control is one of those nuisance categories. I'm assuming. Is that right? It is, and I manage. It. Okay, yeah. got it. Okay, so so it's clearly the knowledge of the industry that you possess that makes that an attractive role for the business to have you in there because you understand that. And so now let's let's go back to understand the acquisition of the knowledge, right? So uh, you're you're a, a board certified entomologist. Tell me about that. So when did that become a thing? Was it always a thing when you were little? Tell me a little bit about that. You know, I always liked the outdoors, always liked uh, picking up bugs and collecting different things. But for me, um, I got out of the army in the early, the early nineties and looking for something to do. Okay. Back then we looked for jobs in the newspaper. I found an ad for a technician's job and thought it looked interesting. You get a, get a truck, you get to kill things for a living. Yeah. So you're like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. So, uh, started as a technician, uh, got into management, moved several different uh, places along, along the way. Um, Worked in nine different markets for large companies, uh, some regionalized companies, and then I own my own company, my own pest control company, for a period of time as well. Okay, you did. So, so you got you you got into the industry as a tech, doing the job out there, doing it, and then over time, that's where the and that the entomologist, that's where that came from. It wasn't before and then into the industry. It was during and right. after. Okay, I got it. All right. And what was what is what did you need to do to, to get that? Was it school? Is it a degree? Like how? What's the process? So the uh, they had two, they had a couple of different programs. So uh, you got to get licensed. You got to have a certain amount of years in mm-hmm. the business and everything. And then uh, they've got a new program that's out called the Associate Certified Entomologist. But twenty okay. years ago, they didn't have that. Okay. So the only option for you at that point in time is to either have a degree graduate and take your board cert- certified uh, credential exam or 
you could petition the board. And I actually petitioned the board based on number of years in the industry and took the exams without a degree. I'm kind of an anomaly. Wow. That's really, is that, is that option still available? Can you still do, they can't do that. I think my loophole was closed after me. (laughs) You were the one, you're the (laughs) one that can't even do it anymore. We got to fix this thing. We got to fix it. Um, So you, you mentioned current going now, fast forward to where you are. You're you're looking at big, big commercials or commercial accounts, right? So in your career, were when you were working in these pest control companies, is that was that was that a big part of what you were doing in commercial? Did that be? How, I'm looking how I'm tying it through to the commercial. Tell me about how that evolved. Got it. So when I started my own pest control company, I was kind of uh, most companies do residential or commercial. Um, I kind of liked the commercial aspect of it, so I did a lot of food accounts. Kind of learned more about the auditing side of the business. Got some more certifications involved in that. And then I kind of spent the next 10 or 15 years working in the industry exclusively on the commercial side of it. Okay. So tell me where my line of thinking is wrong here. So, or right, or both maybe. So if I'm looking at commercial and residential, they both possess challenges and they both possess opportunities and advantages, right? Like everything else. I look at commercial and I say, these are bigger accounts. They probably have more money tied to the, to the service and the production. It's, um, you know, I don't have to go to a hundred different homes to maybe get the same amount of revenue that I would get on this one account. So if I got 10 good commercial accounts, I don't need to go get a thousand residential homes. I'm, I'm making those numbers up, but I'm think just the philosophy of how I'm thinking. So I imagine there's more regulation and very, it's a much more, a lot more paperwork or red tape. I don't know what we want to call it over here on the commercial side. So would it be, is it naive to think, well, commercial seems like the route if I just want to, you know, I don't have to be banging the pavement, getting all these customers all the time. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Am I thinking about it wrong? And like, is it, is it, would one argue it's a lot more complicated than commercial because you got all the regulations. So talk to me a bit about those main differences. Yeah, it is a lot more complicated in the fact that, that you have to understand not just the scope of work that's required for that specific client, but you also have to know the the auditing scheme that they're under, and there's a lot of different ones that are out there. So you have to understand what the requirements are in terms of pest control, the frequency has to be serviced, the number of devices that have to be out there, all those things kind of go together. And then on top of that, uh, if you think about pest control, um, an individual can start off with his own truck and you know he could even do paper tickets if he wanted to. The technology is really, really tied heavily to the commercial side of the business in terms of reporting functionality because these commercial accounts are looking for dashboarding reporting. They're looking for trending reports and things that uh, that you have to you have to understand how that all fits together. And that's what kind of makes it different between uh, between the residential and commercial. Uh, I always kind of look at it with technicians. Uh, some of the best technicians that are really, really focused on customer service and, you know, interacting with people, they do really good on the residential side, but you got to have a technician that's got a, a high sense of attention to detail when it comes to checking the boxes that's involved in the uh, commercial side. And are all all of the commercial, all of these regulations in the commercial side of what they need to get done on the frequency, they're all, it's at state level. Like how, how is it regulated? Is it, is it industry? Is it, is it all, all of the above? The regulations are all different. How does, how does it work? They're all different. So it depends on what they manufacture. So if it's, if it's, if it's 
pharmaceutical, it's going to fall under FDA. If it's okay. if it's poultry or meat processing, processing, it's going to fall under FDA. Um, and then also each individual manufacturer, uh, they basically pick an auditing scheme of whoever the end user who's buying it from them tells them, okay, um, we're going to buy your product. We don't have time to come out to your facility to go inspect it. So we want you to follow this standard and we want you to have it audited every year. And we want the results of that I audit see. to come back to us. Okay. So it's so their documentation. So it's their documentation of you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and, and doing that. Okay. And okay. So there's, it, it's not just a pan regulation inside there. There are very, there's specific things. Now for, for a pest control company, can any bot, any any pest control shop do commercial side, or is there certain things about the license of the operator that you know? And I imagine there's training, and there's and you can't just go in there. How does one make that decision? I've always thought that. Like, how does one say, you know what? I got residential. I want to. What is what is some of the barriers there? Well, first, Chris, don't do like I did. My first example that I did is. Uh, I had a I had when I had my own pest control company. I had uh, my very first company that I I walked in the door. I cold called it. It was a great account for me. And at first, they were not a food related account. They okay. were just a plastic manufacturer. Okay. So um, had a good relationship with them. It was an easy account. And then about a year into it, uh, they tell tell me, "Hey, we picked up a new line. We're actually going to be food grade now. We're going to make a a container that's going to hold some kind of food product in it." So you understand, Keith, all the regulations that go with it. I said, I faked it. You're like, oh, yeah, of course I, I got you. I no problem. I got it. And they failed their audit miserably, Ooh. miserably. Uh, so she gave me, we had a, a great relationship. And she said, Keith, I'm going to give you uh, a little bit of time to learn this because I like you. And she gave me six months to prove to her that I could understand the regulations mm-hmm. and and be able to help her to meet her audit standard and actually go through the process. And, and that was the best thing that, that ever happened to me was to learn the hard way. Uh, so I would not recommend that to everybody to do it the way I did it. It made me better at it. But uh, to your an- to the question, answer to, to your question is uh, anybody can do it. There's not a separate license that's required. Okay but there has to be some level of knowledge of understanding what it, what that specific facility is going to require in order to complete that service. So then along those lines, does it in the industry, it would seem like it would be logical that a pest, a commercial pest control company would deal in certain industries and stay in that niche so that they become an expert in that in like, if it's food, this, you know, they're going to do, if they're commercial, they're going to be mainly in food. So they're not jumping around. Is that right? Or no? I mean, as long as you're willing to learn, I guess you can expand what you can do. Yeah. You'll see that that a technician normally, or a business owner normally kind of gradually goes in the direction that they're, that they're, that they're interested in. So, uh, and then once you go in that direction, it's hard to kind of toggle between the two. So it's hard for a commercial technician to go and do a food account and then come out of it and go to Mrs. Jones' house down the street and do a residential account. Right. Because it's two different kinds of services. So yeah. you typically see pest control companies, they they are they're not normally 50-50. If they're headed toward commercial, you're going to see more 60, 70, 80 percent. And there's a lot of companies out there that are now exclusively commercial or exclusively residential because that's what they prefer they want to yeah. grow in. Yeah, I could see that because again, it's like you're going um it's a completely different mindset. And unless you're, I guess you're willing to really invest in that side. Cause it's like you said, it's a lot of learning. It's a lot. 
Uh, I don't, is there any more liability on me when I have commercial from a business perspective? I, Do you I, know what I think mean? it depends on the contract that you're involved in okay. with the client. Uh, so sometimes if you fail an audit and the audit mm. is, is because of pest control related issues that you failed to find, yeah, me, yep. then you might have to pay for that audit. Yep. So to, uh, you mentioned technology. This is something that I found fascinating because like when I go to these like pest like conferences and stuff, the technology is pretty cool to see and like it's pretty wild. So, uh, and I, I'm, I'm a homeowner and I think about pest control obviously in, in relation to a home and there's only so much technology. But when you're in commercial, this is what I, I want you know, to, to talk a little bit about. Like, so there is a frequency I imagine at which they need to report back basic levels that of control in the pest area, right? Like for, like if a homeowner, I, I'm on a annual, I'm on an annual, I have a thing, they come out and they tell me, give me a little report and that's it. It's not, I mean, what is the technology like on that commercial side? What are they, how often do you have to provide data? How often is the monitoring? Tell, tell me, because I find this to be fascinating, the kind of technology that they're using. So when you think about when you think about uh, food accounts for commercial, you're servicing that account on a weekly basis. Weekly, because basis. you've got traps. You've got traps located inside the facility that are live traps. Because if you catch a rodent inside there, the in, the uh, the intention for you to come weekly is to remove that rodent before they perish inside that trap. Right. So you've got documented uh, tickets that you're coming out weekly. You've got other frequency. Maybe you're checking things on a monthly basis for other service items that you've got out there. Uh, but you're out there at that facility a lot more frequent. The detail to report, you've got all of the, the individual devices that are being barcoded and scanned. All that information is being uploaded into some type of a dashboard for them to look at. And they're looking at activity levels. And that activity level is going to trigger some additional treatments or it's going to trigger uh, an inspection of the of a general area that needs to be treated or inspected more thoroughly if you've got an problems starting to build up. So there's a lot more data and data points that are associated with that commercial account that you're having to look at. And you've got quality folks involved in it, operational uh, teams that are involved in it. And you've got a lot of set of eyes that, that look and want to see what's going on at that facility. So are they, but somebody's still going, There's it's still human-based. There's a, somebody going out, right? It's not all like monitoring visually. Like you can see the traps. I can I can see activity. I, I, I imagine they do have these things nowadays, electric, electronic or monitor traps or ways they could monitor activity from not being there. But this is still very much a, someone has to go out and and take a look and see what's going on, right? I mean, it's not it's not all remote and monitoring. Yeah, and you're exactly right. There's some uh, electronic d devices that are checking themselves, but uh, it's it's being advertised as let the traps check themselves and let's spot check them, but let's spend the time that we were doing before checking traps, actually looking for problems before they start to become an issue at that facility. So not necessarily cut down the man hours at the facility, but just utilize your hours and your time instead of checking traps, looking for problems and preventing things from happening. Be more efficient. How does it, what is it, what is the trap? Is it, is it, is it like, is it a sensor based? If something goes in there, it, it, it trips it. Is that what it is? It's got motion and a heat uh, signature sensor sensor on them as well. And they all, there's a couple different manufacturers on it. They're all slightly different. But most of them have uh, have an initial uh, sensor reading, and mm -hmm. then it's got a secondary, you know, heat sensor or something mm -hmm. to determine if there's any, if there actually is something in that trap mm -hmm. or not. 
So in in a, in a previous life, I worked in uh, academics and biotech, and so I know the whole GMP facilities. Uh, you know, people that are doing manufacturing, they have to be certified in some level of sometimes in, in GMP, which means they're, they're they have a certification and a certain level of audit that they need to maintain. And anything you bring into those facilities has to then be regulated and fall under certain things. So is that true with this stuff? I mean, these things that are going into a facility that like maybe it's a pharmaceutical facility manufacturing. Are there certain types of things that are only allowed in said facility, or do they just have to meet certain criteria? I mean, there's a there must be these sorts of regulations. You can't just bring stuff in to a regulated environment, right, and just drop it and go. Uh, absolutely. So each one of the traps are are going to be looked at by that scope. So if you think about a clean room environment like pharmaceutical, a lot of times you don't even have traps in there at all. You can't have people that actually go inside the the actual clean room itself, or You've got to scrub out. You've got to change all of your clothing to go into mm. specific areas. So each individual manufacturing facility um, has separate GMPs that are specific to their individual needs okay. that you have to follow. I got it. I got it. So let me ask this first. Let me ask these questions from the perspective of you as a pest control owner who has a you know a commercial pest control service and 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 maybe that's the main part of yours like you had when you were when you had that and so if i'm listening to this right now and i offer this com- commercial service tell me a little bit about ways that or advice you can offer the the, uh, the you know the operator to increase their footprint maybe maybe like you know some strategies that you use for sales or strategies you use in relationships or technical any you know walk me through a little bit about cuz you were there right you you got in you had to start you had to grow so tell me a little bit about what your approach was and things you learned in in your in your business i can tell you even better than that chris i can tell you based on now my relationships with the actual buyer being on this side of the fence with fine tune mm. now that i'm helping them actually run rfps and things like that i'm seeing it firsthand how how they react and respond to the pest control Uh, bids coming in. Yeah, yep. And one of the biggest things that happened is, I was guilty of this myself, is um, every pest control provider has a different type of bait stations that they like to to use. And each one of them has a unique special key that opens it. So we would all collect these keys for these different devices, and we would open up everybody's bait stations, and we would take pictures of the traps themselves and the conditions of it, and we would try to sell our services to the, to the client based on what the previous pest control company wasn't doing or wasn't doing right. Oh, okay. So, uh, and and we all thought that that was a good way to to show them how well their service is going right now, and and try to find a way to get in there and and offer our services instead. What I figured out in working on this side of the fence, that the people that that are buying that service, that pest control service from these big commercial yep. accounts is the purchasing groups. And they don't care about the condition of the, of the stations. That goes to quality. I and they see. expect you to check, they expect you to check those devices. But what they want, what what they really need to understand talking to the client is what's the client looking for and why are they shopping this? So are they shopping this because their previous client or their previous pest control company jacked up their rates 25% the previous year, uh, changed their frequency, changed their technician? So if they just ask enough questions uh, when when they're coming in there doing their site visit, I think they're gonna find that they can they can not have to take those pictures of the devices and they can find out a way to to win that bid based on 
what the purchaser's looking for. Like a I lot of times they're looking for something completely different from what you think right. as a salesperson for a pest control company is. Right, right. Well, the sale is very different, like from a, uh, very, very different from a residential sale. It's very, like, I, 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 that, that, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to understand this. Like, what is that like? And you meant you're using the word bid. Is it up for bid? Or do they just, in other words, like, are you calling and trying to get this food company to take you on as the as the provider, or are they have to do they have to vet a certain number of pest control companies before they go with one, or is, is that not is that not a standard thing on how they how they do this? So, uh, and that's exactly what I thought too, Chris. When I was in it too, I thought, okay, they've got to have at least three or four bids. They don't. They don't. Okay, they don't. So if they, they like unless you, unless it's a government it. contract right, or something right, like right, that, right, right, where right. it's federally funded and they've right. got to put it out to forbid, we right. could, that's that's completely different. Okay, but if it's a manufacturer, uh, they don't want to go through that RFP process every couple of years. It's extremely tedious. They don't have the bandwidth or the people right. on their team to be able to devote the next three or four months to an RFP. So if they're happy with that provider, then they're probably going to renew. And the only way for you to get in there is they're going to accept some other bids because they want to check the prices. And if you, if you knock on the door and you, uh, and, and you build a relationship and you get through the gatekeeper and that's a difficult thing, they're being hammered left and right by all these different people trying to sell them something every day. So you've got to find some unique ways to get past the gatekeeper. But once you get in there uh, and you build a relationship with them, you may not get that job this year. Commercial accounts, the sales process is way longer. I'm sure than the cycle is long, right? Yeah. So if I don't, I'm not doing the listeners any service if I don't ask you, what are some of the ways to get through to the gatekeeper in your experience? What did you find? Did you have some things that you found worked or is it just, you just keep pounding? I think, I think keep pounding at the right time. And I think that, uh, that uh, finding those, uh, finding the individuals that can kind of point you in the right directions. Like, so like start off, if you can only get to the, to the front receptionist person, or you get to the security guard, then ask the questions, you know, who do I need to be talking to and start pushing for names and making contact. And, you know, uh, this day and time commercially, these people are on LinkedIn, you know, these people, you're going right. to find them through LinkedIn and through some other, you know, social media uh, uh, platforms that are out there. But most of them in procurement, they're, they're moving every couple of years to different jobs. And, uh, and so you can find them on LinkedIn. And if you can find them on LinkedIn and reach out to them and they connect with you, then you've got an opportunity. They'll tell you, I'm not taking anything right now. Or, hey, send me your information and I'll be glad to contact you when this thing comes up for review. And it could be a couple of weeks or a month before something happens. And all of a sudden they remember, you know, so-and-so. I bumped into Chris. He was, right. you know, it's an option. Tell, so tell me, tell me about the process. So- you're mentioning procurement. So it sounds like that's where it starts. So so some there's a need in a company, right? There, there ha- it has to start with a need either, like you said, there's someone, they jacked their rates up and now they're like, we need to figure out a different place or they, we don't, whatever the, they, they've, they've determined in some way that they're willing to look for another pest control company in that regard. It makes its way, that information, to procurement whose job it is to find and procure the service. And so they're looking at it from, can they do the job and can we pay for the job? Is that with how they're looking at it? And then where does it go after that? Like, where's the inner workings of, of the way it works to get the, to take on this, this pest control company? So they're going to, um, they're going to determine if they're an auditive facility, then they're going to figure out 
is my audit coming up in the next few months? So it could, it may be that I can't change right now because I've got an audit that's already scheduled. I don't want to change the provider in the middle of that. So maybe the change might happen later on. But once they, once they, they, uh, they let you come in, they do a site visit and they're comfortable with the proposal that you've given and it, and you're able to see that you can meet the specifications that they've written and you understand the auditing side of it. If it's an audited account, then at that point in time, they take it to, uh, operations and, and quality and they get them, they, they bring to them an offer and they said, Hey, uh, based on the problems that we have with the current, with the uh, current provider, uh, you guys came to me, you wanted me to make a change. Here's some options that are out there. This is one of them. And, uh, I've I've looked through their proposal. Yeah. They meet the expectation. I think we should take a look at them. And if they buy in, everybody checks the box, and then they um, they they can uh, make make the move and change its services pretty easily. So I mean, I can see how this can go for months, right? It just goes like and sometimes I imagine you have like a lead for a year. You're working, you're talking to, or they tell you you call back. How? <sighs> How do you, how are you managing that? I, I mean, I'm there's software for this. People are managing it. I'm just, but like, is it still, there's an old school element of sales to this. It sounds more, more like that old school um, set, you know, and what I mean by that is on the phone, maybe go out there and like residential is a different way to market. A lot of it's digital. You're out, you know, people, I have a mouse in my basement, the Google ad pops up, they click on it, they call and they come out and they do the thing. Maybe that's how companies are, but I imagine this is different. It sounds a little bit more like an old school sale where you keep talking. You, hey, Bill, hey, how's it? Is that right? It is. So you're uh, you're hitting them on email if you can find an email listing for them. Uh, you're hitting them on LinkedIn. Uh, you're trying to call them if you can. All those things, and then you're trying to because of the long sales cycle, you have to keep triggering to call them back and find some way to connect with them every couple of months just to stay engaged mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're going to forget about you. Or what's going to happen is the person you're dealing with, Chris, in procurement, right? they leave. Yeah. Somebody else comes in. Yeah, and Now you got to start all over again. Yeah, that sucks. You try to be like, I was talking to Susie and uh, but Susie's not there. Um, do you have it? Do you have this? Is, do you have any examples of when you thought there's no way you were landing a bit? Like there's no way I'm landing this this thing. You know, I've been talking to this person. It feels like forever, and then all of a sudden it turned around. And so, you, you, so that's a that's a real thing. Absolutely, it's a real thing. Or it's one of those things you walk in there, you don't get the warm vibe from uh, from the purchaser because right. sometimes they're going to be standoffish and they they play like that on purpose where they're going to be standoffish. They don't. They don't want to act like they like you or anything. And then all of a sudden you you go back to the truck afterwards and you're going, I, I didn't bombed get that. on that yeah. one. There's no way. And then two weeks later, out of the blue, you get a phone call. Hey, when can you start? Yeah. So you just have to stick with it and keep keep it keep going with it. I yeah. I mean, like that's that's the different, that's the different animal of the of the residential. There's really that, like you gotta keep grinding and gotta keep going. Um, so let me go to where you are now. I'm curious to understand a little bit about, you know, when you when you're saying nuisance and you're looking, what do you, what do you, are there, what are you actually looking for? Are there, are there specific things that you're looking for? Is it just a holistic sort of look into it? Are there always overrepresented issues that you find? Everyone's unique. Tell, tell me the approach to that. But by the way, I will say this is such an interesting, it seems like such an interesting way to take such a, such a, a knowledge base and put it into utility, like where you are now, right? Because you're taking all the knowledge you have on both sides and now you're able to really look and assess. So that's very, that's very cool place to sort of end in the journey there. But so tell me a little about what, what it is you're looking at and how it differs from maybe uh, from an account to account or something like that. 
So I'll I'll start by telling you a little bit more about fine tune and okay. kind of how I bumped into them. So uh, the owner of our company uh, started out in the uniform business, and he was a uh, on the sales side of the uniform business, and he had one of his clients and said, "Hey, look, you know, this is a very difficult category for us to manage internally. Um, you know, if you if you ever started a company and uh, and ma- helped us manage it, we'd be your first client. So he started this company for managing their uniforms and did it for, did it for, he's done it for 20 years now. And then about 10 years into it, the clients came back to him and said, hey, look, you know, we're able to reduce staffing on our procurement team because you're managing that uniform contract from start to finish and also auditing every month to make sure mm-hmm. that we're getting what the client, what the, the what the vendor said we were going to mm-hmm. get. So then they came back to him and said, hey, look, we want to, we want you to help us with some others. What can you do? He said, well, I want new uniforms. He said, what do you want? And uh, they said, waste and recycling. So we added waste and recycling. Goes on LinkedIn, finds an expert that spent 30 years in the mm-hmm. waste and recycling business, hires him over uh, to join him. So five years ago, he does the same thing with me, or That's four good. years. And um, it was just out of the blue. It was like something completely different. It's like, how can I even help you? So what we do is a lot of times we help clients stay with their, like they don't want to have to go through Correct. the RFP process. Right. So if if they've got goals and objectives where they want to reduce some of their spend, we can go to their, we can go to their pest control company and say, hey, look, this is the, this is what we're working with. The client's under the budget. They've got to do some cutting here. Like, so to keep from having to do an RFP process, if we can work together and we can try to s- streamline some of this program, then and find some some places we can reduce, then we can help them meet their goals and you get a new contract for three years. I got it. And I, I'd imagine that if I'm if I'm the pest control side, I'm the owner there, and I'm talking to someone like yourself, you know, it, it carries a little more weight, right? Like the nego- like if if I, it's almost like third party, like I have a company, I'm talking to the company and I'm the pest control guy and I'm talking to them about their things. And they're like, well, we need to do this. And I could probably be, well, you know, I don't know because you really need to keep spending this amount of money because of this, this, and that. Blah, blah, blah. But if you, but if you're there, you know, you can yeah. you 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 can cut through all that because you know because you've done it and you understand it. Yeah. So I imagine that that helps in that conversation. So and a lot of times we can find the client the cost reductions they're looking for just by doing some seasonal adjustment to a few items. Like for instance, they might be having mosquito treatment that they're doing year round, and we could say. We can go to the supplier and say, hey, what if we cut this thing down? We know you don't right. really need mosquito treatment in January right. and December. Right. Let's start in April. Right. Let's start in March. Right. Let's do it through this. So we're able to find cost savings for them in categories that the client on the procurement side would never even think about. Right. That Yeah, that's that's actually that's very interesting. So you're looking at it. You're also helping them and you're speaking the same language. Is this is this a model that's done? Uh, did you know about this like before? No. Never heard of it before. I don't at this point in time, uh, and we've worked with some some big clients at this point in time, and uh, I have yet to run run across anybody. There's other spend management companies that are out there that kind of manage all of them, and they just basically push on the supplier. I want 20, 30% savings on all these different categories. Mm -hmm. Well, we take a lasered approach to it because all I work in is pest control. So if the client's not interested in pest control, then I'm not working on their account. Right. If it's 
uniforms that we've got a uniform team that works on. If right. it's waste or security, we've got other people that work in that category. So I only I only work in the category that I have expertise in. And is this national? Does it matter where it's all over, or is it mainly is it we've south? Got, uh, we've actually got some clients overseas now that we're working in Germany on really? because the the concept it, we've got they've got facilities that we're helping them in the U.S. They said, hey, it's a great. Uh, it's it's a great offering. Can you mm-hmm. can you bring it in the European market as well? So we're doing some some uh, some work with them as well. You, it's a little bit different. Understand I'm the sure, different yeah, nuances of different exact, markets. Exactly right. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to to learn about like especially in, like food, like the regulations here in the U.S. and like what they actually are regulating over there. I imagine you might uh, see some some interesting uh, differences. Um, what about technology? We talked about technology earlier. You've, you've been in it for, for a while. Like, and so you, you've seen advances, right? You've seen how things have progressed in a way that like others haven't. What are some of those advances that you, that you think you benefit most from that like sort of at the beginning, you're like, man, this really sucks, or this is really whatever. And now it's evolved and you're like, you've really seen the benefit throughout your journey and your career. I love I love talking to technicians now that complain that the office is scheduling them them uh, too many stops during the day. When when back in the day, Chris, I would get a three ring binder with manual tickets in it with little tear offs every month, and I'd have a little three by five index card box that I have to call through and schedule. I'd have to work all day, go home at night, and schedule my next day. Oh and, man! And then and then manage collections on my own. I like had to either <laughs> get checks from customers or you know, whatever. So it's light years. Now I, I, my technician comes to the house and he's got an iPad. I'm signing an iPad. My credit yep, card's already right there. On file. It's all done. Yep. I know. I know. I, I it, it's incredible. Like I said, I like to go to these, I like to go to these meetings and just see some of the crazy technology they have. Um, so like if we boil it down, so, you know, we're listening, people are listening and they want, they say, Hey, Keith, give me you know, I'm trying to, I'm really trying to grow my commercial business inside this year. You know, I got a good, I got a good team. Everything's in place. You know, I got a, I got a few good clients, but I'm looking to add, I'm looking to double them and I'm really looking to make a move. What, what, what do you, what are some, what is some advice you would offer that, that operator, that owner? Um, are there key things that they should really look at and focus on and try to dig in on? So what would you say to, if someone came to you and asked you that question, I'm looking to double, I feel like I'm at a good footing and I can go, what, what should I, what should I focus on? I think the first one would be technology. Make sure you've got a software system in place that has all the functionality. If you're going to go after commercial, you're going to have to have all the robust reporting options that the clients are used to. It used to be that that uh, trending reports and all these other uh, spatial mapping pieces and things were just, you know, uh, it'd be a value add. Now it's expected from a lot of these food accounts. They want to have all those reports. So make sure you've got a, mm-hmm. a service platform that can meet the needs of that commercial client. Okay. Also make sure that you do your research on that account to uh, to understand what third-party audit that they're actually using and make sure that you come in speaking that language already. So there's courses right. that you can take. That makes, yeah. There's things you can do ahead of time. Don't learn it the way I did by getting, <laughs> by failing an audit. Failing an audit. Yeah. Yeah. Do it, do it the right way by actually taking the classes up front, learning that audit scheme, and then coming to that client with the expertise that you, that you are. They already know that you can kill bugs. They expect right. that of you. Right. But what they want to do is mirror the fact that can you kill bugs at the same time, make sure that we're ma- making audits pass. Because what they don't want is they don't want one point deducted from their pest control audit score. Not right. one. Right. Well, how many points can be deducted before they fail? Is it different for every audit or no? Every audit's a little bit different, but you know, you get a little bit of leeway, Rajan, right? But yeah, 
what what they what they do is they know that some of them are old buildings, so they want to use their build they want to use their points on stuff that that you know that it's going to take a capital improvement project for them to fix. Right. So they know I'm going to have right. to, I've got this back part of the building. I'm going to have to do some repairs uh-huh. on. So I may lose a couple of points. I can't lose 20 points on my pest control program. Right. Oh, I see what you're saying. I got it. Oh, uh, it's fascinating stuff. All right. So um, looking at the time. All right. So what we do at the end of every uh, episode is, um, well, I'm, I'm thinking now I'm looking at the questions. We do these rapid fire questions and I started this a little bit after. So we recorded, I think we've recorded now 10 or 11 episodes. And I, I think somewhere halfway through, I started to do this. And I like to do these rapid fire questions because everybody has different answers. So I'm going to ask you X or Y, and you're going to just say the first one that comes to your, to your, to your mind. And that's how we're going to close this out. So you ready for this? You ready for the rapid fire? Here we go. All right. Text or talk? Text. Dark or milk chocolate? Milk. Mm. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Summer or winter? Summer. Morning or evening? Morning. Morning. Salty or sweet? Salty. Me too. Uh, Favorite day of the week? Uh, Friday. Friday. Nickname you used to be called. Do you have any nicknames? Uh, I do not. Big K. Big K. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? I know some people. I might, I might want to talk to animals. <laughs> how long does it take you to get ready in the morning? 10 minutes. Scale of one to 10, 10 being the best. How good of a driver are you? Uh, if you're asking me, uh, 10. People are very confident in their driving abilities. Uh, invisibility or super strength? Super strength. Rats or mice? Rats. If you were really hungry, would you eat a bug? Absolutely. Is this the best podcast you've ever appeared on? The best. (laughs) Some people are like, I haven't been on any other podcast. So of course, course, course it's the best one. Uh, But listen, and all all jokes aside, I I really appreciate you taking the time and imparting some of this knowledge on us. Um, You know, sometimes I'll say to myself, I have to make sure I put in the context that I have other people listening and I don't go in my own like, wow, that's really interesting from my perspective. But I I really believe people will take what uh, what you said and impart it on their business. And that's the goal of Field Famous Podcast. So I want to thank you for joining us today. Remind everybody out there that you can go to BeFailFamous.com. You can find all the information on this show and the other shows there. Tell your friends, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And remember, your success is fame worthy. So come tell your story. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris.